so glad for all of you that are with us here today. And uh, I am ecstatic over the results of that Bible quizzing. Bonanza, is that what they call it? Something like uh, 90, 92 or three teams from all over America over there at Disney. And would you believe that our, this church here, I mean, we had nine teams. Nine teams in Bible quizzing. Folks, you cannot understand. I don't think we grasp it. What Bible quizzing means to, that, to the children and young generations. Because they learn the word of God. The Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart. That I might not sin against God. And it's the children getting the word of God in their heart. Can you imagine all these teams coming from all over America and from Canada? And they came to Disney there. Of course, your pastor put all this together and, uh, and everything. And our, then our kids go over there. And they're, they're, they're I mean, they're, they, they can't hardly be defeated. I mean, they're just, somebody has already said, we're going to have to say Palm Bay, Florida is going to have to be the boot camp for training for Bible quizzing. <laughs> Praise God. So I know we'll be hearing more about it, you know, in maybe the morning service, especially in the evening service, and the trophies they won and so forth. But it's just amazing what they're doing. We're so very proud of them. Amen. Let's all pray together and ask God to bless us here this morning. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you, Jesus, for your blessings and your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for this service this morning. Thank you for our previous service this morning. Thank you, Lord, that your presence is with us. Thank you, God, for your spirit. Your glory, thank you for the word of God that is a light to our feet and a lamp to our pathway. Bless this class this morning. Bless all of our classes in session, Lord. We ask you, Jesus, to give us your blessings from above. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to your neighbor next to you. Shake their hand. Greet them in Jesus' name. We're so glad for all of you that are here. Amen. Praise God. You're turning your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 14. I want to uh, speak this morning on the subject, how God plans to bless you. How God plans to bless you. And God has a plan whereby he intends to bless anyone, anyone who will follow his plan of blessings. Praise the Lord. And it's the easiest thing in the world for God to bless an individual. That's so simple. God is God. The God who made the stars and the sun, the moon, and everything that exists, even made all of us. That God, praise the Lord, is the easiest thing in the world for him to bless us. Praise the Lord. I'm talking about financial blessings, material blessings, all those things. God can bless us, praise the Lord. And we have to follow the plan of God. God has a plan for all of us. And I want to share that with you here this morning, and I want to give you some information and some things that uh, I have learned over the years and what I have found as well. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, with us to Genesis chapter 14, chapter 14. And this is to do with Abraham. And before I read our scripture, let me tell you what had happened here. Uh, Abraham and his nephew, Lot, his brother's son, had been together for a while in, in, in Palestine and they had been traveling around and going from place to place and the Lord had been telling Abraham, I want to give you all of this land. 
and their herdsmen and their, uh, their servants, each one of the servants, began to have strife among themselves because it seemed like there wasn't enough feeding ground and the herdsmen get into scuffles. So Abraham said to Lot one day, Lot, you go one direction, I'll go another. That way our, our herdsmen won't get into conflict with each other. And he says, whichever way you go, I'll go the other way. So Lot said, okay. And so Lot looked upon the, the cities of the plains, which included Sodom and Gomorrah and Zorah and there's a couple other cities there. This is all brought out in 14.2, if you want to read, read, read the names of those five cities. But there were five cities there. Lot went down there. And Abraham went on with God and did what he was doing more up in the mountains. Well, the uh, Assyrian army came over and conquered those five, uh, we call them cities, five towns, I guess they were. Uh, conquered them and all the people and all of their goods and everything they had. And they started back towards Syria and they went back up into northern Palestine. And they're up around Dan up there and they all were celebrating. Well, Abraham heard about it. He knew Lot, his nephew, and his family was involved in that. And Abraham got all of his servants together, 318 of them. And a couple of the other tribes of people that was in that area around him, three of them. They said, we've got some men too. They all got together and they went up to where this uh, Assyrian army, and they had they had all gotten undressed, and they'd take off their armor. Some of them had gone to bed. Some of them were they were drinking, and they were drunk. And they caught them in the beginning of the night, and they slew that whole army during the night, and confiscated everything they had. And the rest of them that they didn't slay, they took off running, and they got across the the, the river and and everything. They fled on back home. Well, Abraham had all these goods, and on his way back, taking them back down into the southern Palestine, he came through this city that is called Salem. Now, I'm going to pick it up here where he comes back, and there's a man who is in this city where he comes to. And this is uh, the city called Salem, and it is today Jerusalem. Jerusalem. That's the word Salem became Salem. So this is the city of Jerusalem in its old ancient times. Verse 17, the king of, of Sodom went out to meet him. The king did not get captured uh, in Gomorrah. They went out to meet Abraham. The king of Sodom went out to meet him, returning from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer, which was the king of the Assyrian army, and of all the kings that were with him, uh, and the valley of Shave, which is the king's dale. In other words, they went out to meet him. So, oh, we're glad that you have defeated them and got all of our stuff and brought it back. And verse 18, and Melchizedek, now look at this name here, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the most high God, and he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. This man was a forefather of some type. This is where men were still living for hundreds of years. You have to remember that. They were still living for hundreds of years. This was a fore, fore, uh, forefather of some type of, uh, of Abraham. And when Abraham came through there, Abraham was blessed by this Melchizedek, priest of the Most High God, and he was uh, also the king of this town or this city, Salem. And then verse 20, look at this closely. And blessed, blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. This is what Melchizedek said 
to Abraham. And he gave him tithe of all. Now it's not clear here who gave who tithes, but it was Abraham who gave tithes to Melchizedek. Now to confirm that, I'm going to have you go over over to Hebrews chapter 7 with me for a moment. 7 and 1 where he records where uh, Paul in writing this records this. And here's what Paul says in 7.1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. So by this we know who gave who the tithes. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. First being by interpretation king of righteousness and after that also king of Salem which is king of peace. Because the word Salem means peace in Hebrew. Now I'm, I'm only saying that to say this that Abraham is the first example we have of paying tithes. Tithes means a tenth. So Abraham when he met Melchizedek who was a senior, a senior forefather of his, and he had had, he had all of these, all of this goods that he had. He paid tithes of everything that he had there, and then finally it goes on to say here uh, that uh, this he gave all the goods and everything back to Sodom and Gomorrah and all of them. He said, "I don't want anything of that." They said, "No, take some for you." And he said, "No, no, no, I don't want any of it. I'm giving it all back to you." I don't need any of it, and I don't want you to ever say, I made Abraham rich. Because God's the one that will bless me. So Abraham left it off there, and uh, this Melchizedek, of course, is mentioned here in this fashion. Now, I'm only pointing this out to show you that Abraham paid tithes. Now, Abraham became very, became very blessed with that. I'm reading over here in Genesis 24.1. I'm showing you about the blessings of God. Verse 24, 1, Abraham was, Abraham was old and well stricken in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Now, I won't read about all the things, but the story here is that he had a servant. He said, I want you to go back over to the land of, of Haran, and I want you to go there uh, to our ancient relatives, and I want you to pick out a wife for my son Isaac. This is why this was all being mentioned. So when the servant got over to that area, I'm going to jump over here to verse 34. I'm still here in chapter 24, going to verse 34. The servant said to the family when he was trying to pick out a bride for Isaac, and he said, I am Abraham's servant. And they all knew who Abraham was. The Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he has become great. And he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and donkeys. In other words, Abraham was blessed beyond measure. Praise the Lord. Uh, of course, Isaac got his wife, uh, Rebecca, and, uh, and then they had the family. And of course, uh, uh, Isaac and they, they had Jacob and, uh, and Esau and so forth. And then Jacob and Esau grew up. Now, Jacob and Esau had a conflict with each other. Esau wanted the blessing, but did not want the uh, did not want the responsibility of being the heir of this wonderful truth that Abraham had. God was one God, and there was none other. This was his message. So uh, he got in conflict, and his brother Isaac he, he sort of sort of stole the birthright, and he was fleeing from his brother. So his mother said, why don't you go back to my people? Go back over there and stay until your brother Esau 
cools down over all of this. And so Jacob did. Now, Jacob, when he was going, he went to sleep at one spot. And when he was where he was sleeping, he had a dream. And God appeared to him in the dream. And when he was all through the dream, he made this vow to the Lord. Look at 2820. I'm showing you where that this Jacob made the same commitment that, that Abraham made about uh, his tithes. Look at 20. This is 2820 of Genesis. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in all this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. So Jacob made a commitment that he was going to pay tithes on everything God gave him. And he went over there and, and he married uh, a sister and Laman made a sort of fooled him and he married the wrong sister. And he said, this is not the sister I chose. He said, why, why did you pawn her off on me? He said, well, the oldest one has to be married first. But anyhow, I'm going to give you the second one too. So Abraham, he, he wound up with two wives. Both of them were sisters, Leah and, uh, and Rachel. And uh, from those two, uh, he had 12 sons and one daughter, a big family. And you talk about being blessed with a family. You know, the Bible says that the children are a blessing. Amen. And so here they were. They had, had a blessing. And then he started being blessed with all the cattle. And Laman tried to keep it where that he wouldn't have too many goods. But God would just bless him, bless him, bless him over and over and over and everything. And, uh, and so this was his commitment that he would always do that. Finally, he came back to that land where his brother was. And when he came back to the land where his brother was, uh, he, uh, this is what it says here in 32, 15, 13. He's back in Canaan's land now with his family and all of his... And he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau, his brother. He wanted to give him a present so he wouldn't be mad at him anymore. 200 she-goats and 20 he-goats, 200 ewes, that's female lambs, and 20 rams, male sheep. Uh, Verse 15, 30 milk camels with their colts. 40 kine, that's cows, and 10 bulls, and 20 she-donkeys, 10 folds. This is how many? 580 animals that he paraded down in front of him and everything. And whenever Esau saw all of this, he said, here's what he said to him. This is over in 33.8. And he said, what meanest thou by all this droll which I met? And he said, these are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. This is what Jacob said to his brother Esau. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep that thou hast unto thyself. And Jacob said, no, I pray thee, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then receive my present at my hand. Verse 11. Take, I pray thee, my blessing that is brought to thee because God hath dealt graciously with me and because I have enough and he urged him and he, and he took it. Now, what I'm trying to say is that to give that much away, just that, you know, 580 animals like that of all type, 
just to give it away as a gift. And the guy didn't, and Esau didn't even want to take it. And he said, no, go ahead. I got plenty. I got so much. You know why? Because he was blessed of God because he had committed himself to give a tenth unto God. Now, I'm just trying to tell you, folks, that God has a prosperity package for all of us. God will bless you if you will pay tithes and be faithful to God. And I don't know anyone in here that does not pay tithes. So I'm just talking to all of us here together. But if you have never tested this system, don't be afraid to say, God, if your word says it, I believe it. And what I want to do here is to show you that it's so very scriptural here today. Now, let me take you over uh, for a minute also to, uh, to the New Testament here. I mean, the Old Testament. I want you to go to Leviticus for a moment. This is an interesting scripture. This is the last chapter of Leviticus and right down to the very end of the book of Leviticus. This is all interesting. This is where, and of course, ties is mentioned all through the Old Testament and into the New Testament as well. It's mentioned all through the Old Testament in various places. And look at this particular part, part of the scriptures. 27.3 of Leviticus, uh, 30, I'm sorry. 27.30. I guess those folks up there say, what in the world is he doing? And it says here in verse 30, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. And if a man will at all redeem aught of his tithes, he shall add thereof the fifth part thereof. In other words, if you wanted to say, oh, those seeds, I want to use it myself, then you are to give equal amount of that seed in place of it, plus 20% more. You understand? Okay, so he says, this is the Lord's. Now, verse 32, and concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, that hold a rod out in, as they went across, whoever they went across. As they went, it says here, uh, passeth under the rod, the tent shall be holy unto the Lord. Look at verse 33 very closely here. He shall not search whether it be good or bad. You don't ask any questions about who's paying tithes, where it came from. Everybody with me? I'm serious. I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you some examples here in a minute. You don't ask any questions about where it came from. If, if somebody pays tithes, you say, is this bad money, good money? How is it made? Where did it come from? Don't even ask any questions. If it comes under the rod, he said, if it passes under the rod, search not whether it be good or bad. Neither shall he change it. Just take whatever it is. Praise the Lord. I remember Brother Bill Canal, who was our, once our general superintendent. At this time, he was a pastor in, in Hollywood, Florida. Brother uh, Brother uh, Jenkins, Richard Jenkins, was a member of his church way back there when he was a young man. And uh, he was his pastor, and he was a single guy at that time. And I was single. I just uh, got out of school and all. We were in a, a general conference in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, sitting in a restaurant. And an old minister walked up to us, an old minister. used to be the pastor of Cincinnati, Ohio. He walked up to us and just out of the, out of the blue, just, he was a little small, short guy, but smart as a whip. This guy walked up to the canal and I, and I was a young guy. I was just uh, probably 21 years old. I don't know how old, something like that. He walked up to us and he said, you know what? I've always wondered whether we are, were to accept ties that came from, you know, 
strange places or back, or we don't know where they came from. But he said, I found the scripture. And he quoted this verse of scripture in the Bible. He said, since that time on, he said, it doesn't matter where tithes come from. He said, we accept it and receive it. God will still bless whoever pays tithes. And I remembered something that S.G. Norris said to me, uh, to us, our class one time. He said, God is so committed to his word. He said that if a moonshiner will pay his tithes, God will bless him. I thought that was strange, strange. Until, until I had my first revival. I turned 19 years, I turned 20 years old. I was in July of 1955. And uh, I had my first revival in a little old town place called Open Ponds, Florida, way up in the stick country. And I went there, and, uh, and, I, and, and my birthday's in July, so I turned, uh, I turned 20 years old. And, I, and, the, and the revival was during the period of time I had my birthday. I turned 20 years old. Preaching this revival. Got a two-week revival. Preached every night, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Like that. For two solid weeks, you go straight preaching revival. And it was a little country church, no air conditioner, nothing, middle of July. You open all the windows, people put, fill the auditorium up, and then they all sit outside in cars, sit on the fenders. They all said to open all the windows, some of them hanging in the windows looking in. And this is the way the revivals were done, by, especially in these rural areas, you know. And I remember that the... Uh, one old brother, is two, two deacons, the pastor said to me, he was down at Freeport, he said, Brother Myers, you just go up there and preach, receive the offering, whatever the offerings are, is all yours. He said, that's whatever. Well, the offering was like three or four dollars a night. You know, that's what it, the offering three or four dollars a night. It wasn't anything. I, and I didn't care. I was just happy to be preaching a revival. And uh, there was two deacons in the church. One of them was, was legally blind, but he wasn't totally blind, but he was legally blind. And... Uh, one day he said to me, Brother Myers, you want to do some fishing? I said, I know some good fishing holes down in the creek, down in the swamp. I said, okay, there's an old cypress swamp there. And it had a clean, clean, clear water that ran through that swamp. And literally, literally, you could stop and stand still and face upstream and wait a few minutes until everything settled. And then you could just stoop, lean down and drink water right, out, right, right there at your feet almost. It's true. You could do it. So clean and so clear. Well, we went down in that swamp, and we was wading down there. We had our shoes off and wading up the creek. And the water was a little over your ankle deep, you know, about, or maybe up halfway up to your knee or something like that. We were wading through there. We had our fishing poles, and we had worms and all that. And we were going to go wherever he wanted to. And I was ahead of him a little bit. Now I was going on up. I rounded a corner. Now listen to me on this. I said, oh, my God, what's this? He said, what? I said, there's a big old kettle over here. On the, side of the, on the side of the creek. And it's got all these copper tubes that go round and around and around like this. I didn't know what it was. I'd never seen a whiskey still in my life. And, everything. and he said, oh, my God. He said, Brother Myers, don't touch nothing. I said, no, no worry. I'm not touching anything, but I don't know what it is. He said, that's, that's a whiskey still. <clears throat> he said, somebody is making whiskey here, and whoever owns that still is probably watching us right now, seeing what we're going to do. I said, he said, we need to turn around and go back out. I said, I'm all for that. We all went out. We waited back out and everything. Forget all that. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with that. He said, after we left, probably the guy that owned it moved it right after we left. You know, he didn't want anybody else knowing where it was. 
Well, so much for that story. The revival, revival walked along come the end of the week. And I'm sitting up on the platform they're doing song service. People are there, people outside. In walks these four guys into the church, all dressed in overalls, white shirt, no ties, black shoes, no socks, but their feet just as clean, you know, like clean as they could be. They all walk in and sit on the back seat. The brother that was next to me, Brother Gross, he said, hot, hot dog. I said, what? He said, we're going to get a good offering tonight. <laughs> I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, you see those four guys back there? He said, he said they're four of the biggest moonshiners in the country. He knew who they were. He said, I said, they've come to church. They want to get saved. No, he said, they've come to pay their tithes. I said, you're kidding me. And I thought about what the brother Nar said. You know, God will bless the moonshine if he pays the tithe. They've come to pay their tithes. I said, really? Sure enough, boy, I mean, the tithe rolled, the money rolled in that night, you know. It took care of the whole week. I don't, nickels, dimes, pennies, you know. Like one brother said one time, everybody that had a, a, a half a dollar gave a dollar. Everybody that had a quarter gave a quarter. And those that had a few cents, they gave cents. And those that didn't have any cents, they gave a button. Here's the button. <laughs> Somebody threw a button in. Well, anyhow, that was no buttons or cents in this one, but it was a good offering here, Ben. So they were all happy. Next Sunday night, here they came in again, sitting in the back. And you know, again, a big offering. Because they believed with all their heart, these men, that if they paid their tithes, God would bless them. Apparently, it had been happening. I don't know. Now, I'll be quite honest with you. That's been a long time ago. And I imagine those men have gone on to meet the Lord, however they met him. You know, I don't know what their spiritual condition was. I don't know if they ever got saved. I tried to preach them to the altar, but I didn't. But I do know they came and paid their tithes. And apparently, they knew they were being blessed somehow or another, some way from it, by paying their tithes. Now, I'm just telling you that this to say that God will bless us no matter what we do, praise the Lord, because he said in his word. And don't ask where it comes from. Now, I'm going to tell you another story here. About 1980, I read a, this was in, uh, in uh, Sports Illustrated magazine. I got out of Sports Illustrated magazine. I was looking through it and I came across this article about a racehorse. And uh, this woman whose father was the pastor of a church in eastern Kentucky, a little small country church. <coughs> Excuse me. She was married to a guy who was. <coughs> she was married to a guy who, uh, who was interested in horse racing and so forth, but she didn't care anything about it. A friend of her husband said, "You know, I'm going to get your wife involved in this horse racing business, and I have bought a young colt for ten thousand dollars, and I'm going to give her half ownership of it." Which she accepted, and he said, "I'll ask her." And she said, "Yeah, she said, yeah, I'll accept it. He said, it won't cost you anything." You're half owner of this horse that I'm going. This is in Sports Illustrated now. We'll give you half ownership of this horse. And uh, he said, now, he's not going to be a star. Yeah, I didn't pay much for him. I only paid $10,000 for this coat. And he said he probably in his, he makes fifty seventy five thousand. We'll be lucky. But anyhow, 
Whatever he makes, half your, half is mine. We're half owners of each. She said, all right, but if you don't mind, I'm going to pay tithes on everything he earns. Everything he earns, I'm going to pay tithes on it. And my dad's a pastor, and I'm going to pay it to that church where he pastors. The guy said, I don't care, it's all right with me. And her husband said, yeah, it's fine with me. I don't care everything. So she committed herself to pay tithes. His name was Rambling Willie. Rambling Willie, they didn't have much hope for him. He didn't have all the pedigree and all that kind of stuff. Everything. Whenever he started racing, he started winning race after race after race. They, they raced him for about three years, and then they put him out to pasture for the rest of their life. Use him as a stud feed, the stud studs and so forth. And uh, he started racing. And in that three-year period of time, he made over a million and a half dollars for his owners. And that, why, that, that half owner, that woman was paying tithes all the time. Tithes kept growing and kept growing that little country church. They paid off all their mission pledge. They, pay, they paid off. Uh, they, they enlarged their building. Uh, they gave the pastor a raise in pay. They, they just, I mean, the church kept being blessed. Finally, some people said, you know, this money is coming from some bad, you know, it's gambling money and everything. And they said, the others said, well, it doesn't matter where it comes from, you know, it doesn't matter. And they said, well, I don't know whether that's right or not. And finally, they found this scripture where it says that don't question whether it be good or bad. And they said, all right, we'll just keep receiving. And that church was blessed beyond measure. But that horse wound up, rambling Willie, wound up. Uh, making a million and a half dollar for its owners. She got, of course, got half of that and everything else. And her and her husband bought a big branch and all that kind of stuff. My wife and I were traveling back from Indianapolis where my daughter and son-in-law at that time were at Calvary Tabernacle. Uh, John was assistant pastor there and Denise taught at the Bible school there. And uh, we were coming back and instead of coming down on down to Nashville through Louisville, we cut east and came across over to that bluegrass region over there in eastern Kentucky where they raise racehorses. Driving along the road, we saw this big billboard. Come visit such and such a ranch where Rambling Rambling Willie is. There he was in big letters, you know, because he was on Sports Illustrated. I said to my wife, let's go there. We're going to, she's all right with me. So we took time out, stopped, went there. And went there, and sure enough, they brought Rambling Willie come running up out of the fields there where we were and everything. And I had my wife take my picture with him. <laughs> I said, God bless this horse because somebody paid the tithes. Because God is committed to his word. Now, Rambling Willie wasn't supposed to be anything. He wasn't supposed to make it. He wasn't supposed to succeed. He didn't have all the, the right background for it or whatever it was. He wasn't the right the real strong breed of horses that wins horse races. But he did because God caused him to win it because he's committed to his word. Praise the Lord. Let me just throw this in for what it's worth, folks. I don't know what your background is. I don't know where you came from. You may say, you know, I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. You might be a nobody. Well, welcome aboard. We're all a bunch of nobodies. But I'm going to tell you what, God can do in your life what nobody else can do. If we can learn to say God is in your hands and it's the way you do things, praise the Lord. And I'm going to follow your ways of doing things. God can bless, God can do, God can just honor. But we have to say, God, 
we're going to do it your way. And paying tithes is one of the ways that we have of saying, God, we do it your way. Now, let me go a little bit step further here. I talked to you about how that it doesn't matter where it comes from. God will bless it. And it doesn't matter who does it. God will bless it. I don't know how he does it, but he'll do it his own way. I don't know how he blessed a moonshiner who's making liquor illegally and all that. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. All I know, praise the Lord, is that they, they, they believed it. And it must have been working for them because they believed it. I want you to look with me, if you would, in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 14 for just a moment here. Deuteronomy chapter 14 and verse 22. It says, Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed, that the, the field bringeth forth year by year. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he hath chosen to place his name there. The tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, of thine oil, of the firstlings of thy herds, of all thy flocks, that thou mayest learn, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God. Uh, so he talks about the place is important, the place. Praise the Lord. Now let me just say this to you, all of us here today. And uh, the place here was the first the tabernacle, later the temple. They had all kinds of offerings that they would bring. Some were sin offerings. They never partook of that one. Uh, but there were offerings that they would bring that the people who brought it partook of it. They would eat of the, of the, of the sacrifice. Uh, one was a peace offering. One was a Thanksgiving offering. Like, for instance, if a man had a peace, he wanted to have a peace offering, he'd invite his friends, his family. He said, I'm going to make a peace offering of this. Uh, let's say it's going to be a, some kind of a bullock or some kind of big animal. And... I want you to all come and they were offered for a sacrifice on the altar. And then while that, when it has been cooking or smoking or burning, the, the priest would pull off pieces of meat and give it back to the family. And they would have a place set out where they would all sit together and they would eat of that peace offering or Thanksgiving offering or whatever kind of offering it was in that fashion. And they would partake of it. And it was always had to be though there at the tabernacle. Because the tabernacle was where they were fed. The tabernacle is where they made their offerings. And it was the place God had chosen. Now, let me just say this for what it's worth, folks. There's people on radio. There's people on TV. Send us your money. Send us your tithes. Send us your tithes. Don't ever send your tithes to those places. You know why? Because that's not where you get fed. You that's get right. fed in the house of God. Right. God has established this as our place. The place by which we are fed spiritually. The word of God goes forth here on a regular basis. We are spiritually fed, praise the Lord, here. And therefore, we pay our tithes here. It isn't just that uh, I've known people say, oh, my, uh, my aunt has some problems, medical problems, and she needs some money, so I sent my tithes to her. No, don't send it to relatives. Don't send it to relatives. All of us have got somebody in the family or relatives that could use some extra money. That's not where tithes go. You can, you can send them money and you can bless them, but that's not tithes. Tithes always comes to the house of God. Praise the Lord. So make sure that you always do the right place. So the place is very important here. This is verse 23. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of thy corn, wine, oil, firstlings, and so forth. 
So God wants you to always bring the tithes into the right place. And that is, of course, where we are here now. Now, let me move on a little further here. I'm going to talk about another subject. This is Proverbs. Tithes is mentioned all through the Bible. And this is found in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 9, uh, chapter 3, verse 9. Everybody with me? This is 3, 9 of Proverbs. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. He's talking about tithes here. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits. I want you to say with me, first fruits. First fruits. First fruits of thine uh, increase. Verse 10. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. In other words, you're going to be blessed, but honor the Lord with your first fruits. Now, let me tell you how to tithe here. When you get your paycheck or your money that you get, whatever, weekly, monthly, however it's set up, when you get that, don't pay everything else and then whatever you have left, then you'll pay 10% off of that. That's the last fruits. That's the last fruits. You do the very first. The 10% is off the tax. You say, well, I haven't paid my taxes yet. No, no, no. You pay your tithes first, then you pay your taxes. I'm serious. You say, Brother Barry, do you really believe that? Do I believe it? I I practice that all my life. I believe it with all of my heart. Pay your tithes, praise the Lord, as the first fruits. The first thing off the top. Somebody say, well, let's see here. And I get my check. I got income tax comes out. Then I got, I got, I got uh, Social Security comes out. I got whatever that is. I got this comes out. I got pay medic, my medical expenses comes out. My hospitalization comes out. And everything, all that's paid out. Then you're going to pay your tithes off what's left? No, no, no. You pay your tithes off the top figure. And let me just say this, if you do that, God has said in his word, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. In other words, you're going to be blessed above measure. I'll give you some more scriptures on that in just a moment. You'll be blessed above measure. But do the first fruits, not the last fruits. Everybody with me on that? It's in the Bible. Praise the Lord. Let me move on here. I'll go a little bit further. Praise the Lord. Israel was uh, taken into captivity one time. Uh, because of their sins and, and transgressions against God. Captured by the Babylonians, taken over. Daniel was involved in that. Ezekiel was involved in that. Uh, and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, the three Hebrew children that was with Daniel. You know the story about them. They're all taken into captivity. Uh, they never went back to Babylon. I mean, back to, to Jerusalem. They stayed in captivity all their life, and God used them and in prophecy where the, in the land where they were and so forth. And uh, in those uh, lands where they went, finally Daniel prophesied that they would be going back. And sure enough, they were first captured in 606. He said 70 years later they'll go back. And sure enough, 536, uh, those people, 50,000 Jews from Babylon went back. Babylon had been in the meantime conquered by the media Persians. The Persians uh, had a king whose name was Cyrus. Cyrus said to the Jews, God's put it on my heart for you to go back and rebuild your temple and so forth. So he sent 50,000 of them back and everything back to Jerusalem to rebuild their temple. After they got back, God sent also with them prophets. There was Haggai, there was Zechariah, there was Malachi. Those three prophets were the prophets that went back 
that at least Haggai did and Zechariah went back. And they went back with them and then, Haggai and, and then Malachi came along a little later. But they were the prophets after the captivity until Jesus came. Now, during that period of time, they prophesied because when the Jews got back to Palestine and got settled in, they forgot all about doing the right thing for God. They forgot about everything. And so the Lord began to send these prophets to talk to them about it. Uh, I'm going to read uh, Haggai here, for instance. This is Haggai 1.6. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earns wages to put it into a bag with holes. That's how it can be with us. You can work your fingers to the bone, but if you don't have God's blessings on you, folks, you seem like you just work and work and work and work and get nowhere. You've got to have God's blessings on you. We've got to have it. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It matters whether we keep the word of God because God's committed to his word. Praise the Lord. And if we follow the word of God and obey the word, God will honor his word and he will bless us because it's in his word that he will. So he's telling these Jews, he says, you've got all these problems because you're not doing everything right. And then finally, I'm reading over here in Malachi, Malachi chapter three and verse eight. And this is where that the Lord really comes down on them through this prophecy of Malachi. Verse eight, three, eight, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? And then he says, in tithes and offerings. That's how you've robbed me. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me, prove me, now within, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I'll bless you and bless you more than you can imagine if you'll just pay your tithes and offerings and remember the things of God and keep those things and have faith in the Lord. Then he goes on to say in the 11th verse, he says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall he, your wine cast forth her fruit for time and so forth. Now, I've got one other scripture I want to read you, and that's found over here in Matthew, because I want to show you something. This is where Jesus confirmed tithe paying, and I know my time's running out. This is in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. He says, here, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithes on mint. You're, you're faithful on your tithes and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. The weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy, faith. These ought ye to have done and not to have left, not to leave the other undone. The tithe paying is right. The tithe paying is, is good. But he says you have omitted the weightier matters of the law and he rebuked them for that. Now, what is the weightier matters of the law? Listen to me very carefully on this. The weightier matters of the law are the things that have to do with eternal life issues. Tithes is a blessing in this life. If you will tithe, you will have blessings. 
You can pay tithes, but it doesn't guarantee you're going to heaven. Those moonshiners could pay tithes, but it doesn't guarantee them going to heaven. But Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost shall lead and guide you and direct you in all things. And we follow that, and follow holiness, with all, and without holiness no man shall see the Lord. If we follow holiness, God's going to be with us, and he will help us through all of these things, praise the Lord. But tithes will bless you in this life. Now you say, well, Brother Myers, then if I don't pay tithes, all right, if I want to go to heaven, then I just need to be saved. If I don't pay tithes, it's all right because uh, I'm not interested in being blessed in this life. No, no, I'm going to give you one more scripture here and my time's gone. This is one found in Luke 16, 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, that's money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? If you cannot be faithful and have faith in God for tithes, and tithes, paying tithes, is faith in God. That's like I said, I believe if I obey God's word and I give, God will give it back to me. I believe the word of God that I read there in, uh, in, in Malachi and all through the other scriptures. I believe that. Whenever you say, I believe that, and you obey those words and you follow that, God will honor you and God will bless you that. Bless you that. Tithes alone will not save you. But if you are going to be a Christian and you cannot trust God for the basic things of even financial blessings in this life, then that's the minimum thing. How are you going to have faith to believe him for the big things of eternal life? The weightier matters. You understand what I'm trying to say here? So, praise the Lord. To be blessed in this life, pay your tithes. Praise the Lord. And if you want to be, have eternal life, amen, be baptized in his name, repent, of course, be baptized be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Walk with God, serve the Lord, and pay your tithes. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And, and you're off. And God will honor you. I promise you, folks. And if he doesn't, come see me. If he come see me. I'll, I'll guarantee you he will. Let's stand together and worship God. Let's thank him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. God, we thank you for this class. We thank you for these students, God. Thank you for these adults. Their love for you and the things of God. We praise you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen.